You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 981 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning. And today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs at 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Today's podcast will focus on a bunch of injury news from the Hawks in the last day or so since the loss in Detroit on Monday evening, as well as some preview slash look-ahead stuff for the Sixers games that will be coming on Wednesday and Friday. At the end of the podcast, Jackson Frank, good friend of the podcast, will be joining me to discuss Hawks Sixers, so that is coming up very soon. First, though, to the injury front. Um, The Hawks released an official injury update on Cam Reddish's status on Tuesday afternoon. It was not exactly a positive one overall. Cam has missed the last 32 games. He last appeared on February 21st, and on Tuesday, the Hawks said that he has, quote, progressed to running and dynamic foot contacts every other day and capacity building strength work, strength work four to five days a week, end quote. Now, that's all kind of just medical stuff, but he'll be reviewed again, quote, the week of May 16th, end quote. May 16th is noteworthy because it's the actual last day of the regular season when the Hawks are scheduled to play the Houston Rockets. That's a Sunday, and while the wording is at least somewhat fuzzy, the Hawks did not explicitly say that Reddish going to be out for the regular season, but they pretty much said that without saying it here. They've been going in two-week increments this entire time for updates on Reddish's status, but this time around, this is a 19-day thing if you go from today until May 16th. Not exactly a round number, it just happens to be the last game of the season. So, from here, reevaluation is not return, as I always say. So, even if he got cleared, even if you assume that he got cleared on or around May 16th, it doesn't seem like likely to me that Reddish is going to be able to help the Hawks in the playoffs right away. He would obviously have to ramp up a little bit from there. Not impossible by any means, but he'll have three months essentially without playing. And even when he was playing offensively, it was kind of a an adventure, we'll say, for Cam. So after all that time, it'd be hard-pressed to jump right in, you would imagine, in terms of helping the Hawks win. So it's kind of hard to see them playing him ahead of guys like Solomon Hill or Tony Snell, or even Chris Dunn in a small role. Um, So, you know, big picture, obviously the biggest thing is Cam's long-term health. He is, you know, still quite young. He's 21 years old, still a big part of the future for the Hawks. There's argument to be had that because of, you know, the future and the fact that he's not maybe going to help you this year, it might be just wise to just be careful with him the rest of the way. It's an Achilles, it could be a little bit tricky, give him the rest of the uh, season off in terms of extra weeks and months. So we'll see what happens here. The Hawks, again, did did not rule him out explicitly for this season. But the the reevaluation timetable kind of aligns with the end of the regular season, of course. And that is what uh, sort of is informing everyone's takeaways here. So there's certainly a world in which they could need him in a playoff series. He could definitely have some value as a defensive stopper at that level. But at the same time, it seems more likely than not he's probably just done for the season at this point. Um, Probably, I say. Not definitely, but probably. Um, I would say it seems close to definite he will not play the regular season. So there's that. That's the latest on that. And uh, obviously, we're uh, hoping that Ken gets healthy in the near future. That's all we know at this moment in time. After I recorded on Monday night, the Hawks released some updates on Brandon Goodwin and Kevin Herter. Uh, first of which was Herter, who they said has a left shoulder sprain, which is what was expected at that point in time. 
He was scheduled for an MRI on Tuesday. I am recording this at about 11 p.m. Eastern, and there's still no results of that at this point in time. Um, the Hawks may have the results, but they have not made those publicly known. No one's reported them at this moment in time. So if you're listening to this, you, you may already know this. If not, follow me on Twitter, and I'll probably be dropping uh, dropping whatever information I have on Wednesday. But for now, Herter is listed as um, doubtful for Wednesday's game. Um, sort of a hedge there, but you know, fingers crossed it's nothing more serious than the left shoulder sprain indicates there. That's the latest on that. And Goodwin... Um, the Hawks, the Hawks say he left the game with a left ankle impingement. Um, his x-ray was negative and no other update at that point in time, but he's listed as questionable for Wednesday's game, which was a surprise to me. That's for sure. It looked, it looked pretty bad. So the fact that he's not even doubtful or out for the next game, you know, 48 hours later is pretty, pretty optimistic, um, in a good way. So we'll see what happens there, but there's at least a chance on paper. If you believe the injury report that he could play again on Wednesday, and that, that would be helpful for the Hawks, who are very shorthanded at the moment on the perimeter, of course. Um, before we get to the rest of the podcast and some Sixers-centric stuff, a word from our sponsors, and it's time to reveal the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week for this week. So the Hawks actually, actually had four games between the last time we did this and this time, and one guy led the team in scoring with 22.5 points to go along with five assists, 4.3 rebounds, two steals, and 45% from three, on 10 attempts per game, that player is Bogdan Bogdanovich. So even after kind of a shaky game on Monday in terms of efficiency, he is still 66 of 136 from three in April, a 48.5%. That is ludicrous. He's taking 9.1 shots per game from three. That's a high volume, and that's definitely valuable in itself. And as of Tuesday when I'm recording this, he has 15, yes, 15 more threes than anybody else in the Eastern Conference in the month of April. Um, 16 more, by the way, than anyone in the West other than Steph Curry, who has the most in the league in April. But Bogdanovich has been just on an absolute tear. He's the obvious choice in this award for this week. It's also important to point out that he's doing more than just hitting threes. He's been, you know, that's the headliner, of course, for obvious reasons. He's been so hot. But he's been dynamic in the pick-and-roll game, in the mid-range, taking on more usage, um, especially with Trey Young sidelines. Defense has been pretty solid as well. So um, now averaging, by the way, career highs in scoring, three-point shooting, Physical percentage, true shooting, rebounding, turnover rate, etc. He's been really, he's been awesome, obviously this year. He's been a massive part of Atlanta, staying afloat uh, with all the injuries that they've had. So, uh, shout out to Bogdanovich for all of that. And are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? And with two white sex cars and 95 calories, only worth it if you enjoy it. In the end, joy creates success, and enjoyment isn't the end game; it's the whole game. Michelob Ultra and the Ultra Player of the Week is Bogdan Bogdanovich. All right, before we get to the Philly game itself, a standings check at the end of the night on Tuesday. It was a good night for the Hawks, even without playing on the floor in the standings. Indiana got pelted by Portland by 21 points. They're a little bit further down, but that's still relevant. Um, They trailed by as many as 40-plus, by the way. They were getting absolutely annihilated. Charlotte lost at home to Milwaukee. No surprise there, but still a noteworthy result for the Hawks. And the headliner, the Celtics lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder, who had lost 14 straight games. And that game was in Boston. A brutal loss. For Boston, which is obviously good for the Hawks. They're still tied with the Knicks right now for the four and five seeds. But now, even after the loss for Atlanta on Monday, they're they are now two games up on Boston and Miami both and have tiebreakers over both of them. So really it's about a three-game effective lead on those teams. That's a huge factor. Um, having the tiebreakers is so helpful there. And then also the Hawks are three and a half up on Charlotte and four and a half on, on Indiana. So um, nothing's assured by any means, but the Hawks um, even despite their unfortunate performance on Monday, um, in great shape right now to try to land in that 4-5 matchup 
and uh, that could safely be set for the Knicks at this point in time. So nothing's assured. The schedule is favorable later on, so if the Hawks could just kind of stay afloat for the next week or so, they should be in fantastic shape. Okay, we'll go to the Sixers game now, and uh, this is the first one just as the focus for right now, but as a reminder, the Hawks play the Sixers Wednesday and Friday in Philadelphia, a break in between. The Hawks, they flew in on Tuesday, so they're going to be there for four days, a long time in one place right now in this weird season. But the Hawks won the first meeting the season between these two teams in January. That was a very weird game, though. Um, <laughs> Philadelphia... Basically didn't have an NBA roster aside from Joel Embiid. They didn't have Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, Shake Milton, or Matisse Teibel in that game. And it was pre-deadline as well, so no, no George Hill. That was a very, very strange game. Also, the Hawks were playing Trey Young and DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, so they were not. It was a weird, um, not, not weird, but a different Hawks team, to be sure. So basically... Nothing to take from that game in terms of, uh, you know, takeaways. The Hawks did take care of business and, and win that game. And actually, sort of in contrast to the Bucks, to why I talked about this uh, last week, but the Hawks have been struggling so badly against the Bucks for the last few years. Atlanta's been good against Philadelphia, even when they were rebuilding. So the Hawks are 5-3 and three in the last eight against the Sixers, which is some pre- pretty reasonable success when the Hawks were pretty bad at times during that run. Um, Philly is just okay offensively this year. They're pretty solid, but nothing great other than Embiid. Um, they're middling in shooting efficiency. They're 15th in offensive rating. They're good on the offensive glass, though. They're top 10 in the league there, and they lead the league in free throw creation. That's something to circle, to be sure. Keep them, keeping them off the free throw line is going to be huge for the Hawks in these two games. The headliner, though, for Philly is their defense. They're number two in the league in defense right now as I'm recording this. Top five in shooting efficiency allowed. Top five in turnover creation. And they're good on the defensive glass. The Hawks are very good on the offensive glass, of course, with Capella and Collins playing together especially. So that's something to circle for these two games. Um, a big test for Capella, which we'll get into a little bit with Jackson Frank in a second. But uh, Embiid is a MVP candidate. I don't think he's going to win because he's missed, he missed so, so much time. But he's playing, he's playing at that level. He's been awesome this year. And Capella has been awesome as well. But that's a uh, sort of the headline matchup with those two guys playing against each other in this spot. Philly actually had lost four in a row before they won on Monday. But all those were without Ben Simmons, who returned in that spot, and they, and they looked a lot better. Um, the Sixers are 24-5 and five when Embiid, Simmons, and Harris all play, and those guys are all scheduled to play in this game. So um, you're, you're getting them pretty much at full strength. There is one injury. It's Mike Scott, old friend of the Hawks. Um, he's questionable. But other than that, they are very healthy, which is obviously in direct contrast with the Hawks, who are not very healthy in this game. Um, in fact, the injury report is out for two, uh, at least the uh, sort of initial one for the Hawks is out on Tuesday night. The Hawks list, as I said before, Goodwin's questionable. Herter is doubtful. Lou Williams is off the injury report entirely, which is good. After he missed the game on Monday, so he'll, be, he'll be playing in this spot. Chris Dunn also not listed. That's a very good thing um, for Atlanta. As he'll be on track to play to play again in this game. Um, Trey Young, though, out for the fourth straight game. Hunter and Snell still out as well. And then Reddish, of course, on top of that. Um, there was one um, update-ish thing from Travis Schlank, actually, on Tuesday morning. Mike Conti at 929 The Game relayed this on Twitter on Tuesday. But Schlank said on the radio during his weekly hit with the flagship station, 929, that Hunter and or Trey Young could, I want to I emphasize could, return by the end of the week is the way that he put it. Um, I'll say this, Travis has had a mixed record, mixed record this time uh, in terms of this season. He's had a couple times where he said the things on the radio that, that did not end up happening this year due to various setbacks or whatever, so take it with a grain of salt if you would like to. But he did say um, Young and or Hunter could be back by the end of the week. That's optimistic, obviously. Hunter's been out for a long time. You know, Trey, um, with the ankle, he's a fast healer. Everyone seems to be pretty upbeat about Trey's recovery status, so 
We'll see. Both guys are out on Wednesday, to be sure, but that was always a bright ray of, sh- of sunshine from, sh- from Travis. Hopefully that ends up being true for the Hawks. As a reminder, by the way, the Hawks then come home on Saturday to play a back-to-back against the Bulls, so circle that one as well. Um, also, in that same interview, Travis said that Kevin Herter, quote, has good strength and mobility in his shoulder, end quote, and the team does not currently believe that he has a long-term injury. That's what Travis said on the radio via Mike Conti. So that's all pre-MRI, which happened later in the day on Tuesday, so just keep that in mind, but that was the latest that he passed along via Mike. Um, at any rate, all that out of the way, the Hawks are currently eight-point underdogs, according to our friends at Battle.ag in this game, and that could change a little bit due to injury stuff, especially if, you know, Herter, Goodwin won't swing the line, I don't think, but um, if nothing else, the Hawks are not supposed to win this game, and that makes sense. You know, you're on the road in Philly, Philly is healthy, and you are not. Even if the Hawks were healthy in this game, they would be underdogs. Would they be eight-point underdogs? No. But they would be underdogs, even if they were 100% healthy, because Philadelphia has some court advantage, and they're a top-three team in the East. So, eight points is a lot, but obviously without Trey Young um, and Hunter on top of that, there's some flexibility here. So we'll actually, we'll of course, have more on this game in a moment, actually, with Jackson. But... That is where we are right now, as of Tuesday night, and uh, keep I would say stay tuned to my Twitter, to my Twitter page as well as Lockdown Hawks Twitter page. Uh, you can follow me at BT Roland for the updates throughout throughout the day on Wednesday. All right, before we get to the Jackson Frank interview, which is coming up momentarily. And by the way, Jackson is fantastic on the draft, where I've had him on this podcast before, but he covers the Sixers pretty intently, which is why he's on the podcast today talking about these next two games. So that's coming up momentarily. But first, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Built Bar. Built Bar is spectacular, and if anything, it's more delicious than ever. Built Bar has a ton of amazing flavors that we've been talking about for quite some time on the podcast. That includes options with or without nuts, and it also features some of my personal favorites like lemon almond cheesecake and cookies and cream. Each and every bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're also soft and easy to chew, making the entire experience all that much better. And Built Bar is also great if you're trying to be health conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight while enjoying something that tastes absolutely incredible. Built Bar is also low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. My personal favorite, as I said a number of times, is cookies and cream, and the profile there from the health perspective is awesome. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. It is a fantastic time to check out BuiltBar.com. Yes, that's BuiltBar.com. If you go there right now, you have 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15. If you use that promo code, once again, it's LOCKED15. That's 15% off on your next order with BuiltBar.com. Check it all out. There's plenty to check out at BuiltBar.com, and I recommend all the flavors. You can find it all at BuiltBar.com, and you can try Built Bar today. One more time, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also sponsored by the good folks at BetOnline.ag. Baseball is in full swing right now, and you can track all the action and much, much more at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, and this week has a ton of sports content to sift through, including the NFL Draft and the Kentucky Derby arriving as the first Lego Triple Crown over the weekend. Get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including the NBA, of course, with MLB, NHL, UFC, golf, soccer, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. BetOnline also has all of the props and future bets you could possibly want, and they offer live wagering options on a ton of events, which can add a lot of intrigue when you're watching any game. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. You can check out the news, contest information, and sign-up bonuses right now. 
Take this chance to get off the sidelines and take your opportunity to get into the game as teams prepare for the run to the playoffs. If you visit betonline.ag right now, you can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline. That is a 50% bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. One more time, that is promo code Locked On for 50% more and a welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I am joined now by Jackson Frank, who has been on this podcast before to cover the NBA draft. But tonight, we'll be talking about the Hawks and the Sixers, the team he is most familiar with in the NBA. Hello, Jackson. Hello. How are you doing, Brad? I'm well. Uh, you and I just spent a bunch of time talking on your locker room about this exact topic, which people should listen to as well. Uh, can they find that on, on, on your Twitter page? I believe they can somewhere. Yeah, I tweeted out the audio link. It should be should be good to go. We should uh, at least plug that at the top here. And I begged you to come on and do a quick segment with me about the Hawks and the Sixers because they're playing. I don't always do a ton of preview stuff on the show for obvious reasons. The schedule is brutal right now in the NBA, but they're playing two games in three days. So it was a good time to do a little bit of preview content. Um, I guess I'll start with this. Uh, The Sixers, it looks like, are going to have all of their important players. I did some numbers earlier on the podcast, but... uh, is Philly as good as I think they are when they have everybody? Because their numbers are pretty impressive when they actually are healthy. I think so, but I don't know, man. I, they, they haven't played like a notable team where both sides have been at full strength. I think since the Utah Jazz game back before the All-Star break in early March, and, and maybe maybe the Jazz are missing someone that I'm uh, that's escaped my mind. But uh, I think they're really good. I don't know if it's good enough to go exactly where they want to, but I think they're going to give themselves a chance. But it's really just so hard to know during this year. Um, because again, they haven't really, I and mean, they didn't play the Nets when those teams were at full strength. They beat the Lakers once at full strength. Um, then they didn't play them when they were playing without Embiid, uh, and without AD and LeBron. They didn't play the Clippers either time at full strength on the other side. So, um, that's a long winded way of saying, I think so, but I don't have a great inclination. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, it, it's funny, but the Hawks and Sixers won't play once this year. And it was kind of a game. You can't take anything from, uh, and didn't play, did play, but nobody else did for Philly. It was a very different Hawks team at that point as well. Um, what are you looking for? Like on, on the Philly side in this game, the Hawks have been playing well recently, but they're also super banged up. Um, you know, Sixers are a big favorite in Vegas, which is not surprising, but what, what's sort of your, uh, broad, like focus as you enter this game from the other, from the other side? Yeah, so I think the the big thing uh, for me is how Embiid handles the lob through to Capella. That's something he struggled with uh, throughout his career. Been better about playing the pick and roll this year than in prior seasons, but uh, still just sometimes is physically outmatched because he isn't he isn't super quick off the ground in a way that a guy like Capella is who can you know finish over the top a lot. And that's something that he'll have to defend to an extent probably in the playoffs, whether it's Giannis playing the five or um, a guy like Nick Claxton or even DeAndre Jordan. Even if DeAndre Jordan is, is limited. Uh, vertically these days, he still can get off the ground better than uh, than you know Embiid can, and having Harden throw those lobs. So um, that's the, that's the thing I'm looking for. Then also um, just how Embiid handles Capella, how he can do against him. Capella has the mobility and the length that maybe gives some issues. And while Capella is strong, as we've talked about before, um, Embiid is kind of in a different realm there. So curious to see how he approaches that matchup against a guy who's been one of the best defensive centers in the NBA this year. Yeah, that is very clearly the headline matchup in this game is Capella and Bead, and um, that makes sense. You know, can can the Hawks hold up defensively, not have to double him a lot? Because if they can do that, it's a lot easier to defend the Sixers as it would be for any team. Um, my my side of this is can the Hawks score in this game? Because without Trey, obviously they're not as great offensively, and they're also um, you know they do they do have Lou Williams coming back in this game, which is very helpful. But Philly's a top three four defense in the league, and the Hawks without Trey while they were uh, quite hot at times against Miami and Milwaukee, 
this is not exactly a dynamic offense in the grand scheme of things if Trey's not out there. So, I mean, I, I almost want to ask you, you, you got to feel pretty good about the way that Philly's going to be able to defend this Hawks team in their current state, I would imagine. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this this Sixers half-court defense is is arguably the best in the NBA. Um, I would say probably the fully healthy Lakers have a bit of a notable advantage, but other than that, I would take the Sixers over for anyone or at least as good as anyone else. So, um, yeah, I think that, that'll be a huge thing. They've got length, they've got size, they've got mobility with that length. Um, whether it's Ben Simmons flying around on the ball, Danny Green doing stuff off the ball, Matisse Thibel coming in off the bench and um, being one of the most you know distinct defenders that I've, I've seen since I started covering the NBA and watching the NBA. Um, just a lot of size, speed, length, and then they've got Embiid backing all that up on, on the inside. So, uh, yeah, I think the Hawks will probably have some significant issues uh, you know, scoring and creating, especially without, you know, their best, best offensive player and best overall players. So, uh, yeah, I think the Sixers should have some significant success as they finally kind of get back to their full strength, the relatively full strength, um, you know, lineup after the last couple of weeks and things have been, in, had been out of, out of sorts. If you're the Sixers in this spot, Ben Simmons is obviously back. He missed, I think four games. You can correct me, but, um, with him back, I assume you would probably put him on Bogdanovich. Is that the matchup that you think that they would like to take, sort of take away with Simmons as their sort of X factor on the perimeter? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what they'll do. Um, Again, it's tough to like. I mean, that's what they'll usually do. I, I, I can't really read anything into yesterday's game against the Thunder, um, or, <laughs> yeah. or Monday's game against the Thunder because uh, useless. They played Ben was off the ball a lot, but that's because there was no one that was really imposing for the Thunder. Um, he just sagged off a lot of the Thunder's non-shooters and got three or four steals in his 20, 25 minutes of play. Um, but generally speaking, yeah, when there's a when there's a team with a credible threat to win and a credible ball handling threat, um, they'll throw Ben on him um, for the most part. But again, it's. It, I don't know. Maybe approach, they'll approach it maybe a little differently because they still see the Hawks again on Friday. Um, but that would I mean I think yeah they will probably throw Ben on on Bogdanovich and kind of see what he can do and try and limit him because I think that's a pretty good matchup for Ben because Bogdanovich likes to do his thing with pace and craft and uh, Ben's got the strength and size and athleticism advantage on him. Uh, not, maybe maybe Bogdan you know gets the best of him at times, but uh, I think that's definitely a matchup the Sixers will will trust. How has um... Philadelphia handled opposing size defensively. Again, they're good defensively. No one's disputing that. But the Hawks, um, with Collins and Capella healthy, have more size and offensive punch in the front court than most teams do. Is that a matchup concern at all, or is that something that the Sixers are just kind of pretty well stocked against? Because obviously they are pretty big in their own right. I think they're pretty well stocked against. Um, the only really real precedent that I, you know, I guess maybe a couple of chances I have to against other good teams with size would be. Uh, the Bucks, when they played back in March, and B didn't play, but they and the Bucks missed a lot of threes. But the Sixers had a pretty good defensive performance that night, um, went to overtime, and I think they ended up losing by a couple points, but did well against the Bucks despite some uh, unlucky shooting from Milwaukee. Uh, and then against the Lakers in early January, where I think it didn't end up actually being a great defensive rating night for the Sixers, but um, they were able to force the, the Lakers into some some challenging things with AD and LeBron both healthy back then, um, which hasn't been a reality for two and a half months now. Um, but generally speaking, I don't feel I don't think it should be really concerned with that type of thing because, as you mentioned, they've got their own size. Um, you know, Tobias Harris, again, not a great defender, um, but is good on in the interior, very good rebounder too. Attacks the class, class really well on defense. Uh, and B does his thing. Simmons can you know toggle across three, four, four and a half positions. Uh, Danny Green is a good off ball defender, got great hands, so and has been improving on, on the ball as the season's gone on. So uh, yeah, I don't really I don't really worry about that matchup, but I, there's not a great lot not really any precedent beyond a couple of games that have been, you know, up and down, maybe not entirely reflective of how things can go in a game like this. 
Yeah, I know you, you mentioned the glass there. Philly's good on the on the defensive glass for sure. Um, with Capella and Collins playing, I believe the Hawks are like 99th percentile in offensive rebounding. So that's usually where they get a lot of their gains offensively, especially when they're not shooting the ball incredibly well. And they have been shooting the ball well, with the exception of, I would say the glaring exception of Monday when they just kind of fell apart. But that's an area where the Hawks can usually get a lot of... Uh, extra juice, but in this matchup, I feel like Philly is pretty well stocked against that too. Not that I'm trying to paint a devastating picture, but um, it's harder to project a ton of second chance points, although Capella's been so good that he maybe he can get him on his own, but that combination maybe doesn't have the same advantage that it normally would. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's 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 funny, I don't know about funny, but like it's, this year has been so tough, especially over the last you know however many weeks and months, that like I feel like every game, whether it's the Sixers are shorthanded or the other team's shorthanded, for you know health reasons or for prioritizing youth development reasons um i just yeah i think you know obviously this is not this game tomorrow won't be reflective of who the hawks are as a team and it won't be reflective of how good maybe the the sixers look and as i say that maybe the hawks will go and you know make 14 threes in the first half and uh <laughs> 21 and all or something and it'll be a game um because that seems to go seems like how what happened when i assume the sixers might have a game in hand yeah they're capable of doing that the hawks have uh, sort of balanced the scales a little bit with some big runs in their shorthanded um, days recently with Bogdanovich and Lou Williams the other night had a huge one like that. So that, that, maybe that's the X factor here. Uh, I think the hope, since we're talking about two games in three days, I think the hope would be that maybe the Hawks get Trey Young back on Friday. I'm not projecting that to be the case, but there's been a little bit of rumblings. Travis Schlenk said on the radio earlier on Tuesday that they could see uh, either Young and or DeAndre Hunter by the end of the week was the way he said it. I'm not sure if that means Friday or Saturday when the Hawks have a home game, but I guess uh, I know from you and I are you know trying to be objective parties. I'd like to, I would like to see Trey Young play against the Sixers. That'd be fun. Yeah, no, I, I mean I, I think yeah, I, I mean I feel like we could still be objective with but and still say that I would like to watch the fun offensive player uh, play <laughs> against a, against the guy who's arguably the best perimeter defender in the NBA, Ben Simmons. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I didn't I didn't know that maybe the timeline would be that quick. That would be awesome. Um, maybe it's already been longer than I thought because again, time blends together. No, these it, days, it, but... it honestly hasn't been. Like I, I was, it was pretty surprised. And I mentioned this earlier on the podcast. People listen to this again, but uh, Travis has had a mixed record of success in his comments on his radio show on Tuesday mornings. He said a couple of things that have come back to bite him because they've not been true. Like he kind of brought DeAndre Hunter back a few times uh, that did not actually end up happening. So. Take it with a grain of salt. Let's just say that. But uh, I at least have a little bit of hope at this moment on Tuesday uh, evening that maybe the Hawks could be a little bit more um, bolstered in the rotation by Friday. All right. Well, I, I will. I will be hoping for that because as Crush I said, fingers. it's been it's been a while since the Sixers played another team where both sides were at full strength. And I know the Hawks won't be at full strength because a guy like John Hunter is still out. But uh, at least with the other team's best player, uh, would be would be a welcomed uh, addition as of the last few weeks, which haven't been the case. Yeah, so to wrap this up, and I appreciate the time, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody that the Hawks are favored to win this game because they're not. I mean, if you look on paper, as long as Philadelphia doesn't have any surprise injuries on Wednesday, they're going to be a pretty big favorite in Las Vegas. I I guess my question to get us out of here is, like, I think you mentioned earlier, is the is the recipe that you can see for this being competitive just the Hawks shooting well? Like, do you see the maybe the Sixers struggling on offense to kind of level the playing field if you're trying to be um, a Hawks optimist in this spot? I think I think kind of the, the argument for the, the maybe not the argument but the case for the Hawks you know winning this game would be Capella's mobility and length gives Embiid some issues um, you know as he's been great shooting the ball this year but maybe that disrupts him his rhythm and then a guy like John Collins is able to contain Tobias a little bit you know 
Tobias loves to attack mismatches in the post with his size and physicality improvements this year. And, John, and Collins obviously is a guy who isn't really doesn't really have any sort of a Tobias doesn't have an advantage over you know, Collins in terms of size or physicality. So uh, I think that would be the thing. And then also, yeah, just you know, any chance you can get, not to like again, I know we've, you've known the Nate McMillan led teams run play slowly, but any chance where you can kind of be opportunistic in transition and get open threes and whatnot would be the way to attack that defense best. So going to come down to maybe a couple of the Sixers' two best scorers having off nights because maybe the matchups aren't great for them, which would be a testament to Atlanta. And then also exploiting the Sixers' kind of lackadaisical and uh, poor transition defense by getting up and hitting some, some threes early in the clock. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully this is a competitive matchup and uh, even more so on Friday because I don't think either one, either one of us want to cover two bad games in a row in three days. That would not be fun. As someone who covered the Bucks and Sixers uh, series last week, I am good on covering two more uh, two more blowouts and unfun games. Yeah, <laughs> blowouts are not as fun. Uh, I covered the uh, the pretty bad Hawks for the last several years, so th- this this season's been nice because they've been a lot more competitive, a lot more fun. And uh, you know, for better or worse, even if you're not rooting for the team, you want the team to play competitive basketball. <laughs> that would be uh, a lot easier. For sure. That's for sure. Uh, well, Jackson, thanks for, thanks for all the time. I'm going to beg you to come on and talk about the draft in the near future because that's our, uh, our our previous discussions on this podcast. But in the meantime, tell folks where they can find all of your stuff. Uh, yeah, you can find any of my uh, NBA content over at Dime Uproxx, fan side of Step Back. Uh, the Analyst is a new site that I'm writing for, uh, Liberty Ballers. And then I've got a Patreon, which is linked to my Twitter, at Jack Frank underscore JJF. Any content I put out about the NBA or the NBA draft, you can find on that Twitter there. Uh, and then, yeah, this is a different change of pace, though, because, you know, the Hawks, uh, the, the priority isn't, isn't draft at this point in the year. So uh, it will be at some point. But for now, the Hawks are a little bit different team. So I uh, appreciate you having me on, Brad. It's my pleasure, sir. And uh, we will do some draft stuff at some point if you're willing. Uh, yeah, it's been weird for me in a good way to not have to go to the draft well already on the podcast. We'll save that for when the Hawks are uh, out of the playoffs, whenever, whenever that happens. So uh, a, a, a weird different term that I'm not minding too much. But anyway, thank you, sir, for joining us on the podcast. For everybody else, please subscribe to the show. Check out Jackson's stuff everywhere on the internet, and we'll see you all next time.